The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Um, so welcome. Tonight is uh, third in a series, during a series of four, on connection. So the first week I talked about connections like relationships, the importance of relationships and how they support our spiritual practice and how they support our life. Last week I talked about listening and speaking, about how they help us to form connections and it certainly is a practice to know how to listen and know how to speak in a way that promotes goodwill and goodness in general. And in those other uh, preceding two weeks, I talked a little bit about how being connected to oneself can really support connecting with others, either through just relationships in general or with conversations in particular. So I'm going to flesh that out a little bit more tonight, this idea of connecting to ourselves and specifically connecting to our bodies. So often we're disembodied in some kind of way, we're, you know, we're lost in our heads. And I'm going to talk about it not only in the context of being connected with ourselves, but also how having awareness of our bodies, of our felt experience, really helps with connections with others too. So, having an awareness of the body is a way to be embodied. And not so much that we are literally disembodied, but that expression, kind of like to be embodied, points to the recognition that so often we are kind of disconnected from what our physical experience is. We're lost in thoughts, we're daydreaming, planning, worrying, trying to figure something out. And I know for me, wow, you know, I spent so much of my life kind of this idea that um, the body was this unfortunate thing that I was dragging around with me. <laughs> you know, it, just, it's, it wasn't a, necessarily a welcome or a happy or helpful. It just felt like, okay, is this part of the package. I had no idea, honestly, before I started this practice, like, wow, how supportive just to be embodied is. Somehow, for me, being embodied didn't feel safe or welcome. It was bad in some way. I was bad for having a body or something. I don't know, it was kind of vague, but... I don't know if that resonates with any of you, but uh, I share that just to highlight that it's easy to, it was easy for me at least, to go through life disembodied, disconnected from my physical experience, from what was, what was happening. And this disconnection between the mind and the body is really the essence of being distracted, being disconnected from the present moment, 
The body's always in the present moment. And I'll talk a little bit about how it also is, has a role in being disconnected from others and, of course, disconnected from ourselves. So there is a persistent idea that meditation means cloistering ourselves in some way from the world. It's understandable, probably because we see so many images of people practicing on their own, with their eyes closed, and apparently not in contact with those around them. Again, I'll say that uh, when I very first started coming to IMC, I was one of these people that wouldn't talk to anybody. I would just come and listen to a Dharma talk, meditate, and then out the door. And certainly when we see, um, you know, mindfulness is becoming more and more popular, and when we see it in the popular press, magazine, articles, or something like this, it's often of a person, often a beautiful white woman, not always, but right, uh, sitting in a, well, she, her, her, I notice her posture is kind of mixed, you can tell. <laughs> People are long-time meditators, and those who are just professional models, but um, they are kind of like, you know, by themselves. It's not as common to see people in a group. But what we don't see in these images, these depictions of I, people meditating, and maybe even here, what we don't see is that those same people, if they're meditators that are sitting with their eyes closed, often get up from their formal practice and use that awareness that they've been cultivating while they've been sitting to relate to others, to relate to others more with more empathy and with more kindness and with more connection. That part gets left out of the depiction of mindfulness. It seems to, it's seen as a solitary self-help, self-improvement project. And it certainly does have those elements too. It is helpful and there might be some improvement. But there's a big part of about how it's mindfulness really helps us to connect with others. And one way, as many of you probably know, that our thoughts and emotions have a big impact of how we operate in the world whether we are expressing them through our words, our emotional life, our thought patterns, leak out of us. Maybe not in obvious ways, but they they do leak out of us. There's that stereotypical depiction of um, two people in relationship and one person saying, what's wrong? Nothing. No, what's wrong? nothing, right? The person can tell that something's wrong, right? They're not speaking, the the second person isn't speaking, but just by their body language or I don't know how, but often, right, we we can tell when others. Or maybe in people we don't know so well, we can just tell by their posture, whether they're looking up or they're looking down, you know, whether they're slouched or whether they, the pitch and tone of their voice, the um, when they are speaking, and the uh, rapidity 
of the words they use. It you can tell if somebody's been speaking really fast that there's most likely they've been really busy and have, feel like they have a lot of things to do and are overwhelmed. That gives a different feeling, right, than somebody who's speaking a little bit more slowly. So not only their voice or their posture, but also the speed and the number of a person's gestures. Some of it's cultural. I tend to speak more with my hands than I notice than some other meditation teachers. But you can tell, right? I, um, <laughs> um, I'm teaching a class uh, in a different setting with um, people who aren't meditators and aren't Buddhist practitioners, but it's a, about meditation. And some of the um, students are you know, there to learn more about meditation, really, than to learn to meditate. And um, I was describing the class to somebody, and I said, wow, it's quite something. I'm so accustomed to coming to a place like this, where it's, uh, you know, there's a certain ease and settledness. And as I was describing, everybody was like going, and it's amazing what they're like, they're like this. <laughs> moving my hands really quickly, that uh, sometimes, right, just when people move their hands a lot, it gives a sense of busyness, of uh, unease, maybe. I don't know. So our posture, our voice, our gestures, and just the amount of fidgeting we do, all these things, they send a message send a message to other people before we even engage in a conversation with them. So the more that we can be aware of what's happening with our bodies, our posture, our voice, our hands, the more we can be aware of what kind of messages we might be sending. That is... Are we really sad, angry about a conversation we just had? And then we go into a new conversation or a new meeting and we're bringing the body language with us to the new situation. If we're aware of our bodies, then maybe we can be aware of how we might be pushing other people away or sending a message that doesn't really support connection or... Or maybe it's just sending a message that we're not really intending it to send. So not only having awareness of this can help us be aware of what, um, how others might be perceiving us, might be, we don't know exactly, but also we might be able to recruit these aspects of the bodily experience, the physical experience, to be our allies we know, there's a part of us that know that kind of sitting upright and maybe leaning just a little bit is a way to indicate that we're present and paying attention. We know that slowing down our, um, the, yeah, this word just slipped out of my mind, the speed in which we speak Kind of as a way to help, maybe help somebody who's feeling really agitated, as opposed to joining them in some agitation. So this awareness of our felt experience, can we can use that to 
adjust our way that we are in the world to be appropriate for the message we want to send, as well as to be appropriate for the situation. How we are at a dinner party might be different than how we are in a meditation hall or all this range of places that where we are, right? And maybe I'll include with this also um, eye contact. We often hear that have been socialized in this environment, it's the expectation is that you make eye contact when you speak. It's not true for in all societies and all cultures. But to be sensitive about what's happening with the other person we're trying to connect with, with their eye contact and with ours, and what we're doing with ours, it sends a message. So being aware of our physical experience can really help us with um, connections by knowing what kind of message we're sending and to help us send a message that's congruent with the message we want to send. But it also helps us to be aware of what's happening with us. That to be attending to our own physical responses to what we're hearing, what we're learning, what's happening in our environment. Maybe we're having a cup of coffee with a friend who is telling us something that's heartbreaking, difficult. We might feel the little, like, oh, the, in our bodies, uh, feel the sadness, feel the heartbreak, the tightness in the chest, maybe some falling down of the shoulders. And if we're connected to our bodies, to our felt experience, we can feel the heartbreak and maybe share that, oh, that's heartbreaking. But also, rather than getting lost in the um, discomfort or the confusion or the sadness or the heartbreak itself, we can also use our awareness of the body to help us feel the pressure of the chair against our bodies, to feel our feet on the ground, so we can stay present, so we can stay here and grounded. So we can feel what our friend is feeling without being overwhelmed by it, without being succumbed to those feelings, without feeling awful ourselves. Feel the tenderness, the poignancy, whatever might be appropriate, but still feeling grounded. And from that grounded place, then, we can offer a listening ear offer advice if that's what's asked for, or maybe just offer our full presence. So in this way, kind of being connected to ourselves helps us to be connected to others. But of course, being connected to our felt experience is a way to connect to ourselves as was I just alluded to when I was talking about being connected to others. As maybe as many of you know that when we bring our attention to our bodily sensations, 
it frees us, frees us from the stories that we have going in our minds, frees us from the judgments, the stories, the planning, fantasies, the worries, all these things that take us away from what's actually happening. Being connected with our physical experience helps brings us here, now, and the present moment, so that we can connect with the reality of this moment, not being lost in thought about the last moment or worrying about the future, but being connected to this moment. It's only the mind that is elsewhere, at another time, perhaps another place. The body is here, now. Somehow just dropping into the felt experience is a way to drop into the present moment. And when we do that, when we drop into the present moment, with our bodies, we might discover a little bit more about what's happening with us. Many of you may know that our emotions are composite events. There's the mental element and there's a physical element. So often, we discount or don't pay attention to the physical element, the embodied, the the, uh, felt sense, the direct experience of being sad, of being angry, being confused, being agitated, being lonely, being happy, being joyful. They all have expressions in the body Recently, my thyroid was just a little bit out of whack. Turned out not to be a big deal, right? Things that can get back in whack, so to speak. But a consequence of this was that my heart was beating really fast. Quite something. I kept on saying, gosh, I'm so nervous. I don't know why I'm so nervous. Really anxious, and I just was trying everything to calm down. And what am I nervous about? I'm so nervous. And why am I nervous? As it happened, I had to give a talk. I've given a number of talks, but I was like, why am I so nervous about this talk? Then I created a whole story about why I was particularly nervous about this talk. It took me a while to figure out no, it's just that my heart was beating a little bit faster than it normally do, just pure biology physiology, but I had made a whole story out of it just because there's a strong connection between our felt experience and our emotions, whether we recognize it or not. So being with our direct experience, our embodied presence, That only helps us to be in touch with our emotions, if indeed our uh, uh, increased heart rate is due to nervousness, anxiousness. 
But sometimes we don't even know what our emotions are. Sometimes we may be slumping and have this tightness in the chest or a lump in the throat and and we may be experiencing something that we're completely disconnected from, but it may be important. Emotions are the body's way of sending us a signal, letting us know there's something to pay attention to. They don't arise for absolutely no reason. Maybe we feel like emotions, we should discard them and they would be better if they were, weren't so present. But in fact, they're just an integral part of the human experience. And part of being connected to ourselves includes being connected to our emotional life. Whether those emotions are pleasant ones or less pleasant ones. And if you've been coming to IMC and have heard a number of Dharma talks, perhaps you've heard, (laughs) I have heard a number of different teachers here uh, say this, that, you know, our emotions, they just have a certain um, uh, duration of existence, right? They arise and they pass away. But they get prolonged if somehow we get tangled up with them. We're wrestling with them, trying to push them away, trying to keep them. And we may be doing this in obvious ways or in subtle ways. But being aware of the body, the bodily sensation that accompanies those emotions, allows us to make more space and be a little bit less disentangled from the emotion instead to more observe it and and hold it and allow it to be there without getting lost in it or overwhelmed by it. So being connected to the body helps us to first be perhaps be aware of some emotions. And it also helps us to be with those emotions that perhaps are obvious and or overwhelming, just to hold them by directing our attention to sensations in the body. Instead of saying, I'm sad, to feel the hollowness in the gut maybe, or collapsing of the chest, or falling of the shoulders, or maybe something around the eyes, whatever it might be. All of us have our own kind of fingerprints, so to speak, of how we experience the emotions. But mindfulness of a body can be a great tool, a great asset, a great ally to help us with being connected to our lives. Mindfulness, being aware of our bodies, being connected to our bodies, also supports a spiritual practice, being connected to things that are important, maybe the most important, maybe our highest aspirations, our highest intentions. 
some meditators, when they begin meditation practice, think like, oh, okay, mindfulness of the body. That's just the easy stuff. That's where you begin. The real important stuff is with the mind or the emotions or something like this, consciousness, something like that. But I think everybody sooner or later discovers that mindfulness of the body is actually the foundation. It's the foundation for discovering tremendous wisdom. For a number of reasons, some of I've said, but one is it just helps us to be here. Helps us to be present with what's actually happening as opposed to our ideas about it. So some of the wisdom that we may gain is about ourselves. How do we respond when we receive an email that's upsetting? What's our habitual way of responding to that? How do we respond in mindfulness practice when we have the intention of being with the breath and discover that instead we're lost in thought so often? Not only do we learn about ourselves and how we respond to things in the world, how we experience things in the world, Having mindfulness of the body also sometimes highlights like what types of things draw us away from being awareness of the body. We might discover in the same way that there's a stream that's or a body of water that looks like we're not quite sure if it's a stream. Maybe it's we're not sure if it's moving or not. Is it stagnant? Is it still? And just in the same way, you might put a stick in a stream, and then when you can see the little wake around it, you can see, oh yeah, the water's moving. In the same way, with mindfulness of the body, if we have that as an anchor, we start to notice all the types of thoughts that are going by, that are having us not to be with the breath. And we start to notice how fleeting the thoughts are, We start to notice our favorite types of thoughts, our habitual way of thinking. So in this way, connecting with the body, with our meditation practice, helps us gain wisdom about ourselves, not only our felt experience, but also our mental experience. And through practicing mindfulness of the body, with a relaxed attention. We learn to be with whatever sensation is arising. During our formal meditation, we learn to see that, oh yeah, that little bit sensation in the knee, that little tweak in the back that sometimes happens (laughs) with formal sitting. With regular meditation practice, we start to be with all these types of sensations and just start to see them arise and pass away. 
Maybe the maybe they don't go away completely, but the intensity or the exact location or the exact experience, maybe it goes from throbbing to stabbing or maybe it goes from being really pinpointed to maybe more diffuse. But with mindfulness of the body, we start to see the changing nature of sensations. And we start to build our capacity to be with whatever sensation arises. Partly because we've learned that they do change. Things aren't permanent. Often it's our fear of things being permanent. Like, oh no, am I going to have this forever? It somehow makes it last longer. So being with whatever sensation is arising without trying to hold on to it or push him away. Having learned to do this with the body, we can bring the same skill, exact same skill, to be with whatever is arising to our daily life, to our mental states, not only to recognize which ones we have, but to be able to hold them. Oh yeah, the mind is really restless right now and my mind is spinning. As well as with our emotional states. So this capacity to be with this range of sensations often starts with sensations in the body. Connecting to the body can really build this incredible skill that's so useful, it's foundational. Learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. We shouldn't underestimate how powerful that is. How many times have we done things just because we felt a little bit uncomfortable? We said things that we later regretted. We didn't say things that we later regretted. Sent emails did things just because we were feeling uncomfortable. As we learn to be with all types of sensations, the mind can become more spacious, can become more attentive, more alert, maybe more curious, as we're not trying to you know, manufacture and create only particular sensations that we like and that we have the capacity to be with, as our capacity grows, there's more ease, like, okay, there's more confidence, like, okay, I can, I can be with a number of different sensations. Equanimity grows. And equanimity often leads to wisdom, really great wisdom. With this, we can start to see and understand what can't be seen or understood with a mind that's pushing and pulling. And in the Buddhist scriptures, there's, um, the Buddha talks about the benefits of mindfulness of the body. It's related to this. Maybe you can just settle in to hear this. It's a little bit uh, 
It has a certain rhythm that I kind of like and remembering that these were for for a long time these were preserved just as chanting and still there are some um, places where they just chant these. So in some ways we can see how there's a rhythm here. So this is the, the Buddha teaching. He says, mendicants or monastics or monks or nuns, we, we can translate this word however way we'd like. Monastics, one thing when developed and cultivated leads to the obtaining of wisdom, the growth of wisdom, the expansion of wisdom leads to greatness of wisdom, leads to diversity of wisdom, leads to vastness of wisdom, leads to depth of wisdom, leads to a state of unsurpassed wisdom, to breadth of wisdom, to abundancy of wisdom, to rapidity of wisdom, to buoyancy of wisdom, to joyousness of wisdom, to swiftness of wisdom, to keenness of wisdom, and to penetrativeness of wisdom. And what is that one thing? Mindfulness of the body. This is the one thing that when developed and cultivated leads to, let me go through the whole list again, quite something. Okay, so how do we develop and cultivate mindfulness of the body? Maybe I'll start by saying, Sometimes it takes time. When you first, uh, with a meditation practice, sit down and say, okay, I want to develop mindfulness of the body. So often we spend our days, we have spent our lives, as I said, disembodied. So it takes a little bit of time to just gain some familiarity of like how to feel, how to like embody ourselves, how to feel the felt experience. So in practicing mindfulness of the body, it's the direct experience, not our judgments about the body, not our wishes for what our body might be, or not our stories about how our body might be. It's so easy when we think about or are directed to the body that we slip into ideas about the body rather than the actual felt experience. So mindfulness of the body can be done in a number of ways. Kind of a gross generalization we can make, and I talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago, during a day long, is that it can be done with a directed practice or an undirected practice. I'll start with the undirected practice. And that is to set the intention to 
be mindful of the sensations in the body, and then to open our awareness to just be, just to notice bodily sensations that are compelling and or obvious. So not, we're not looking for any particular sensations. We're just kind of like opening the awareness and noticing like, oh yeah, there's this sensation in the knee. Oh yeah, I'm feeling this pressure of the chair or the cushion against my body. Often it's helpful to start with um, doing uh, mindfulness of breathing or the sensations of breathing to feel the movement of the abdomen or the movement of the chest or the feeling of the air going in and out of the nose. So often this practice is done where we're doing, we choose the object, the sensations of breathing until a sensation in the body becomes compelling or obvious. And if there isn't one that's compelling or obvious, we just stay with the breath. So in this way, we just smoothly kind of move back and forth between the breath, some bodily sensation and going back to the breath, some bodily sensation and going back to the breath. And paying attention to how much effort we're doing. There's no need to like pounce on the sensations. There's no need to like really hold on to them. There's no need to try to really like uh, stab the (laughs) sensations. We're just noticing. We're more just having our awareness be on these sensations. Then we can gain some familiarity. What does it feel like to have a human body? What does it feel like to have what we often will say like knee pain? What is pain? Is it throbbing or is it stabbing? Is it one area? Is it in a big area? In this way, we bring a lightness of touch and a certain curiosity and a willingness to be with experiences as best we can. Some of the, we may have a lot of pain, a lot of uncomfortable sensations. There's no need to stay with those. That can be taxing to the body, to the system. You may want to maybe touch into them and then as best you can find another object too. There's no need if you're having difficult sensations in the body to really stay there. It can be compelling because it's maybe really a dominant experience, but it can also be dispiriting. It takes a little practice to be able to be with these sensations and keep the mind soft. It takes practice. It's well worth trying, working with it though. So that's the more undirected way to do mindfulness of the body. That is just kind of open the awareness and just noticing what's calling for our attention. We can do this either in a, when we're seated in a formal meditation period. We can also do this when we're walking. Instead of having sensations of the breath and then to the body and then going back to the breath, it can be the sensations on the bottom of the feet as we're walking. 
And we might feel like, okay, what does it feel like the experience of the fabric moving against the legs? Or what does it feel like to swing the arms? Or what does it feel like to be moving through space? So this, we can use either of those as kind of an anchor, but then when one of them becomes more compelling, just moving to another one. So this undirected can be done either in a a static posture or in a more um, dynamic posture, moving. And then using that word posture reminds me that we can also do this in a way, um, just like a global sense too. What is our posture? Are we slumping? Are we leaning forward? Or are we sitting up? So another way to cultivate and develop mindfulness of the body so that it can support us in all these different ways is a directed practice. And this is more a body scan. So some people like to start at the top of their head. Some people like to start at their feet or toes. And you just systematically bring your awareness to different areas of the body. You might want to pause on different areas until you can really feel them. You may not feel anything in certain areas, upper part of the arms. Often this is not a place where there's a lot of sensation. You might pause there for a bit as you're doing a body scan. Of course, in the hands we do have sensations. Maybe we don't need to spend as much time there. So in this way of kind of like scanning through the body in a slow, unhurried, mindful, intentional way, can kind of like awaken different areas of the body that often we might be disconnected from. We may not really be feeling sensations in. We're not trying to force any sensations, and we're not trying to make anything happen. But just providing the opportunity for different sensations to show themselves in different areas of the body. And this way you can kind of cultivate a real strong connection between the mind and the body. Potentially those areas of the body that are quiet, so to speak, and that we usually don't pay attention to. And then, of course, there are some other practices to help cultivate and develop mindfulness of the body. Some of these, some of you might have some of these movement practices like yoga or tai chi, which are really about kind of like bringing the mind and the body together. But you might also... um, when you do these practices, to notice what is the attitude that you have towards your body when doing this. It's not uncommon in yoga, for example, I speak from experience, (laughs) to be doing some yoga practices, to be holding a posture, and yeah, you're embodied, you're feeling, but there's a certain attitude of like, oh, I wish I were a little bit more flexible and my hip, it doesn't quite go around to the way that I think I should. And there's a certain amount of judgment that goes, which feels like appropriate and what you should be doing. But that's different than just feeling the sensations. Having an attitude of 
being with the body so that you can fix it and make it look a particular way is a little bit different. So if you do have a yoga practice or a tai chi practice, which I have very limited experience with, but just notice the type of attitude that you bring to the body. So you may be connecting to it, but also notice what's coming along with that. And also what might be common in um, something like yoga or tai chi or qigong is sometimes when the class is over, okay, done with that, and off we go, you know, looking for our keys and running out to the parking lot and getting our car and zoom, off we go. Kind of like disconnected again. So if you want to use these other practices as a way to be connected to the body, it's kind of important to like be, set an intention to maintain that connection as best you can when the class or the session is over. So in this way, I wanted to talk a little bit about connecting with ourselves, connecting with our bodies, and how connecting with ourselves and our bodies definitely supports connecting with others, and connecting to wisdom, helping provide a foundation in which wisdom can grow and can support us in all areas of our lives. So we have a few minutes. I'd like to open it up and see if there are any questions or comments. Thank you, Diana. Um, this is such an appropriate um, thing for me to practice, but I notice when I try to to be embodied, to feel what I feel at that moment. Um, Sometimes I feel this anxiety, kind of like you describe, you know, your heart beating fast. But um, when I have this anxiety in my body, most of the time it's because I feel like I'm short of time to finish all the project I need to finish, or I want to finish. So... Um, even though I try to embody, I feel that anxiety. I don't feel I can do anything with it. You know, so I'm not sure, is, should I just kind of watch it or, or I just divert myself to do something else and are... Um, what I mean is when I have those uh, anxiety moment, anxious moment, um, I'm not sure exactly how to practice because even I force myself to sit in there to meditate. And um, 
Sometimes that anxiety can grow bigger. So it seems like it's have a wisdom. Is should I stop do something different, or force myself to do that and just pay attention and watch the body reaction? So when you're paying attention to the body, you're saying that it gets bigger and worse, and that just makes you more anxious. Not all the time. Not Sometimes all the time. like that. Sometimes I said, you know, just sit, insist on sitting. Then gradually, like you said, uh, arising and passing. But sometimes that is so anxious. I just, I just can't watch it like that, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no guarantee, right, that this is going to happen at the time frame that uh, we would like it to. Um, and I'm a little bit uh, interested in your uh, use of the word force, that you force yourself to sit there. So uh, you were saying that it feels like it's, I, I don't know, I can feel the uh, uncomfortableness in this. So maybe I have a few things to say. One, I liked what you said about wisdom. We don't want to make ourselves, uh, we don't want to force ourselves into... Um, experiencing things that feel overwhelming or really difficult. So I appreciate the wisdom if to notice like, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed now. That's time to do something different very often. If we feel like we just don't have the capacity or the capability to be with it. But it's really helpful to do exactly what you're saying, Lydia. That is to experience it. We're, we're um, increasing our capacity to be with things but that doesn't mean that we can necessarily always be with them while we're while our capacity is growing. We still may get overwhelmed, and it may not be helpful to be with it. So it can be helpful to feel into the body, experience, okay, this is anxiety. I, I'm actually really feeling anxious. I can feel it by my heartbeat. I can feel uh, like this racing of my thoughts, whatever it might be. I don't know exactly. I think actually it's not helpful for me to sit here with this because I'm noticing my thoughts continuing to to spin out and I'm getting more and more anxious or something like this. And then just to intentionally say, okay, this I'm gonna this is not helpful. I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. Then like feel your feet on the ground. Feel maybe feel your breath if that's helpful for you and get up and walk and do something. But instead of, but to do it intentionally, often we're just running around trying to make ourselves feel better and distracting ourselves. So as best you can to feel in, acknowledge this is what's happening. And right now I don't feel like I can be with it. I don't feel like it's the right thing to be with it. Whether it's anxiety, whether it's sadness, whether it's fear, whether, whatever it may, whatever it might be, it can be helpful to just tap in and then to realize, yeah, I don't think this is really supporting me right now. And we have to use wisdom. This is the only thing that we can learn by doing. We can learn by, like somebody can tell you, yes, every single time you must sit there and just sweat it out and or do it for 7.3 seconds and then it'll be fine or I don't know. This is something that we just learn by doing. 
So maybe one thing I'll add here. Being aware of our body is also important to know when are we getting overwhelmed? When is it too much? And that, unfortunately, there's only the only way to learn that is the hard way. It's like, oh, yeah, this is too much. Now I just feel like my I'm not settling down and it's just too much. But then, as best we can, we can apply antidotes, feeling feet on the ground, having our eyes open if we're sitting, and walking can be something that's really helpful, even if it's just for one minute, two minutes. But gaining awareness of the sensations of our body, what's happening in our body, often helps us to know when overwhelm is about to happen, so that we don't have to go that far. Just if we can have some familiarity of what that feels like, then we can have a sense of, okay, this isn't the right thing to do. But sometimes it is the right thing to do, to stay with our anxiety, as you probably have that experience. Sometimes we learn something and we gain confidence. And so we all have to find our own way with this. Thank you for this question. This was a great question. I'm regretting I didn't talk about this more uh, in the talk. I made it sound like, oh yeah, just uh, be with your (laughs) experiences, it's fine. It's not always easy, it's not always fine, yeah. But I really appreciate you pointed out that I notice that sometimes the pressure is just increasing my head while I'm meditating, and it's so anxious that if I open my eyes and look around, actually it's kind of calm me down, kind of let that pressure out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Opening the eyes and feeling the feet on the ground, these are two things that can be really helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Lydia. Okay, it's 9.01, so thank you for your attention, and may you feel connected to experiences in your body, and may some of those experiences be joy and happiness and ease. Thank you. With maybe a little bit of wisdom thrown in, too. (laughs) I'll stay up here if any of you have some questions. (laughs) 